Hello and welcome to Cathode Ray Mission. Uh, we're watching movies uh, while we're locked down. And then after lockdown, we're going to keep on watching movies. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, I am Will Scoville in Berkeley, California. With me as always in Oklahoma City, Randy Heyer. Hey, Randy. How's it going, Will? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Living my life. Excellent. Just got back uh, from the and lake. Joining us this week. Excellent. Uh, joining us this week, uh, again, returning to uh, Cathode Ray Mission is Kirsten Thurkelson. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on again. Welcome. Welcome back. Thank you for coming on again. Thank and you, thank you for so much for coming with back us. on. <laughs> Th this week, uh, we are reviewing David Cronenberg's uh, The Dead Zone. Uh, adapted from the Stephen King novel of the same uh, same title, uh, and then which was made into a TV series many years later. Um, now, Kirsten, have you seen is, any of the television show of this? No, I haven't. With uh, uh, what Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall? Anthony Michael yep. Hall, yeah. No, I have not seen any of it, but really? I can see. I will say from watching this movie that I can see how it would make TV show. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, granted that, you know, the very end doesn't happen in the TV show or maybe not <laughs> in the first episode. Makes uh, sense. Then, yeah. Uh, I see how you could definitely make this some sort of like crime of the week mm -hmm. uh, type of show. Absolutely. Definitely. He could travel, just not like leave town, all uh, Incredible Hulk and go to a new town oh, yeah. each episode. I wonder if it's uh, good. So this is, uh, I've, I've never seen it. It had enough episodes enough seasons to say like but so do something. a lot of shows though you know like there's a bunch of stargate <laughs> you know like the show and stuff like that <laughs> or that that show blue bloods uh with tom Selleck. that yeah any of those any show about cops or anything that they play on any like yeah for real i mean i think i watch a lot of tv but i probably watch um you know in the one percent one percent of all of TV, you know, is what I will see before I die or what, you know, like I have, I feel like I have a wide array of things I watch, but I do have a pretty narrow focus, like grand scheme of everything. I'm also, know? I'm terrible in that I just like don't watch TV much at all. Yeah. Like it's this weird thing of where there's like too much of it. And so I like, <laughs> if a show has been on for like six seasons and even if people are like, oh, it's like the greatest TV show ever made. I'm just like, I don't know. It seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'll sit down and, you know, watch, I'll dedicate like God, two and a half hours to, you know, a film. And it's mm -hmm. just like beginning, middle, end and we're done. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm a movie person uh, too, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm the same way. Like when I moved to uh, the Bay Area, I didn't have a TV. It was just I didn't have room in my apartment for a TV or money for cable or anything. Um, so for like two and a half years in San Francisco, I didn't have a TV. And then when I moved to the East Bay, another two years without a TV. Um, and then even in the early years when I was in San Francisco, that was prior to uh, or early days of Netflix streaming. So now, did it, you have a I computer even, in this time? I did, and then I rent DVDs, but okay. not TV. So you and had so a, was, you had a screen it. where you watched things on in your apartment, though. Yeah, but it like I didn't have any broadcast TV, so I got you. 
like anything that I was went, kind of I went through that phase too of yeah. I I watched a lot of uh, crappy Netflix horror movies with my laptop just like on my chest like mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. And even then I didn't have a laptop either so I had to be like at home in front of my computer sitting at my desk and mm. like like ah, mm-hmm. no. Um so this one is 1983. Uh this is David Cronenberg kind of moving into um more of a mainstream uh you know seat uh adapting a you know fairly well known at this point you know um Stephen King had had kind of established himself a few moves made Shining had come out uh at this point and so uh movie studios were just kind of hungry to put his content to screen and um this is one of those that that came out of that. Uh, so prior to this, he had, um, this was before, I believe, The Fly, but after Videodrome. So this is prime era Cronenberg, kind of for sure. Right. Yeah. So he had, he had done, or he had done uh, Videodrome, which I think is kind of his, you know. Did he do this last, for money? Like, Did he do this to make last, Videodrome? Like, he did this after this came out the same year as Video Drone. Oh, really? So Maybe that the, the Dead Zone was shot before, but re- was released afterwards. I'm not. I was just sure. curious That's if just he did this I'm for thinking. money because John Carpenter is like, I did Christine for money, you know. <laughs> and it's like Christine yeah. is like a great movie and it has the Carpenter touch and shit. Like, it, I mean, I love Christine, and this mm-hmm. is sort of like. But I mean, after this, he did The Fly, so I think this was him. They're like, Stepping hey, can you up. take on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're probably right about that. So, I mean, he like, after that, he went on, did, you know, Dead Ringers and uh, Naked Lunch, Crash, and all that came, you know, well after this. But this was, like, really the first time he was a director for hire. There's a part um, in this that is so Cronenberg. Like, this is a script that he didn't write, you know, but he added his shit to it. And, like, I'm like, there's a, there's a, we'll get into it. Spoiler, this is suicide. So this is very Cronenberg. Anyway, let's. let's yeah. And yeah. and so I think uh, you're you're familiar with the story. If you remember the uh, SNL sketch sketch with uh, Christopher Walken, who stars in this movie, where he shakes people's hands and kind of has like <laughs> sees visions of their future. But it's really benign <laughs> shit like getting an ice cream headache or something. Um, but <laughs> yeah. It's it's weird. Um, uh, South Park has done this, I guess. Famously, have they, have they've they done, done they've done a very good parody of this where Cartman puts this like it's like it's a parody <laughs> of when the cigarette scene, basically this cigarette pack, like mm-hmm. later on when he's like touching items to see, like for like re- residue or whatever. Yeah, like and he's touched. I love in the Stephen King universe. He's basically touched in a sort of a similar way to Danny Tor. Like he's, he'd be a person that Rose the Hat and her gang could suck their energy off of, right? Mm-hmm. So okay, but with his power, all right. Anyway, definitely. So Kirsten, it, you mentioned that you are a Stephen King fan. Yeah. So you probably know that it probably is the same thing that is afflicting. Uh, uh, Christopher Walken in this that is afflicting um, Danny Torrance. Oh, it's the all shine. the it's all the shine, right? Yeah, yep. uh, sh- the shine or the touch or ka or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Um, and so, 
Uh, I mentioned before. Out. I love all t- the interconnectivity of all of the shit. Like it being yeah. like that rules. That does yeah. truly rule. Uh, and I mentioned before, I'm I'm finishing up the Dark Tower right now, which is kind of the linchpin of all his stories. Um, and so seeing how all this stuff kind of connects and reading more of his stuff with the eye towards um, it all being connected is really cool. And so. I- know that i need to read the dark tower series but it's just that the gun uh, did you read the gunslinger no i couldn't do it (laughs) really okay it was like too dry for me no okay here's the thing gunslinger very dry but it's fairly short and it's broken up into essentially like four short-ish stories Mm -hmm. and it's just foundational second book drawing of the three picks up different tone but this is what but everyone three, says diff- that's what people keep telling me no, i it, know it, i know it and you just don't know it until you get through it and you and like drawing of the three picks up immediately like it's it is completely different the problem um, this is like when you have a tv show you like and you're like season one's not good but then it gets good but you kind of oh. sh- should watch season one you know it's sort of like I know it just has this problem where, like, everyone, when they talk about the Dark Tower, they have to be like, well, the first book is kind of like, you know, it gets better after that. Sarah. But you have to read the first one. That's, yeah, you have to read such it. such foundational stuff for the rest of the series. But I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That's just, what it comes down to is it's yeah. like something has to be, like, extreme. Like, I don't know. I'm just bad at, like, I, I'm bad at, like, drawing novels. my attention for that long. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all read, I hope, you know. Well, if we're reading, you know. Even more than ever Twitter yeah. or whatever articles and everything yeah but. more than any more than like any generation before yeah yeah you know but novels words it, per day it is good yeah. to sit down with the novel for sure it's just good to have you need fucking time it's just not built into our society anymore to have time and then the phones which are like advanced ass computers in reality you know are just like time suck prison mm-hmm. things but you kind of need them at the same they're like incredibly yeah. useful tools mm-hmm. in some ways because i'm on the clock 24 hours and work needs to get a hold of me at like two in the morning well, yeah mm-hmm. and also it's a shame that like my twitter box is also my gps box like that <laughs> my yeah. the thing that yeah. keeps me from like getting lost mm-hmm. and that i absolutely have to have if i'm traveling a new place for the first time is also the thing that you know yeah. keeps me doom scrolling uh, <laughs> yeah. at two in the morning <laughs> yeah i i absolutely. like i got uh, listeners, it, you will have heard me before saying that I have gotten rid of my Twitter. Uh, I, I'm back on it, um, but I don't have it on my phone. That's my proud that's of you. The thing, yeah. Like, so I'm not up at night in bed keeping myself awake. Um, or if I leave the house for any reason, I can't do it. But uh, I mean, workday, yeah. I'm here at my desk. I'm on Twitter. Oh, dude, I wake hours. up and I'm like. Time to look at tw- like it's just like <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. I'm not I even know. I'm I not just... good at Twitter at all. I get on there because I I do kind of live by the philosophy that I should participate a little bit good yeah. for better or worse. You know, if I'm gonna be creeping on there, I shouldn't creep. You know, I should be like a known like mm-hmm. I'm here. What's up? You know? Yeah. But um, 
I like Twitter. But man, I, Twitter is a fun place for jokes, but there's also yeah. a lot of bad stuff. I, I mean, it's just, you know, following all my friends who are all fucking comedians who are, are very good. They're very good uh -huh. comedians, but it's also like that's their branding. And I'm, it is hard to have real conversations with them sometimes online. Uh, yeah. You know, and then it's also the residual. Room. And I'm trying yeah. to make it that, but I'm just old, yeah, I think, and not ready for what Twitter really is. But then I have I have residual stuff from an alt I used to have where I would just really get into it with right-wingers. And um, yeah. I'm trying not to do that because it's like my Twitter now has my name on it and uh, a picture of me. So I'm like, I can't, I, got, I can only go so far. Don't want to um, get don't want to get doxxed and swatted. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I'm deleting my posts after a certain period of time. I delete. Um, uh, who cares? You know, it's. Uh, I'm I'm just like yeah. super careful. So after a set yeah. amount of time, all my posts go away. All my likes go away too. So. Oh, interesting. Well, yep. Twitter. Anyway. You might say Twitter is a real dead zone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the movie, David Cronenberg's adaptation of Stephen King's The Dead Zone, written by Dude. Jeffrey Boehm, who died in uh, 2000. But he wrote, what else did he wrote um, Last Crusade. Um, oh. Look at my phone okay. doing a little spinny wheel right at a crucial moment. The Phantom, Lethal Weapon 3, which is terrible. Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, he wrote Funny Farm. Funny Farm is a movie that's like my kind of stupid shit. It's a movie about Chevy Chase. He quits his job and moves to the country to become a writer. <laughs> and everything immediately goes hilariously wrong. And, oh, man, it's just... A, have you anyone seen that? Anyone? No, I mean, you know my opinion on Chevy Chase. You don't like Chevy Chase. This is, a, this is more like Chevy Chase... Just getting what for the whole movie. So you might like it. It's George Roy Hill. I believe it's his final film. George Roy Hill, of course, is the director of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and The Stand. Yeah. Along with Slapshot. Holy shit. Anyway, I'm getting yeah. way off subject, but Jeffrey Boehm, <laughs> he also wrote Interspace, The Lost Boys, and this, oh. and Straight yeah, Time. Yeah, a lot of classics there. Yeah. So Jeffrey Boehm, The so, Dead Zone. So The Dead Zone... It's of course it takes uh, it's about Christopher Walken who is a uh, English teacher at a school. He's a, a feet. Thanks, Stephen like, King. He's a, yeah. a feet Eastern East Coast yeah teacher who is like a very with a weird haircut. He's uh, religious clearly like he's like yeah. He's, what from Castle Rock, Maine, right? Yes, yeah. Castle Rock, Maine. Yep. And his Early girlfriend, mention of Castle Rock. like his fiance wants to is a fellow teacher and she wants to sleep with them. They're like, they're like, I mean, Christopher Walken's somebody that always seems old. He's probably what thirty in this movie or something. <laughs> he might be like thirty five or something yeah. like that. He's very odd to see as a leading man for he, me. He personally. sort of has Seymour Skinner vibes, though. I yeah. felt like he's yeah. a, he's a virgin, maybe. Like maybe he slept with somebody when he fought in the war. I'm assuming he's like a vet or some bullshit. Do they talk maybe. about that? But Stephen King, you know, or it's always like. Stephen King's all into, I'm sure, anytime you watch a movie like this, I always think about in the book, which is like extremely thick, I'm sure, all of his books are, there's like all this stuff about like 
people's sexual histories mm-hmm. and like shit that happened in the past that's like an old family story like there's all i mean his stories are very elaborate and re- like the novels are super like rich and cool in that way you know i mean mm-hmm. i don't know so i think about that I mean, when i watched this movie again i was just like i'm sure there's like who knows what the novel of this is like? You yeah. Know? Like. So, there, so essentially what happens is that, yeah, he, he has a fiancé. He decides to go home instead of spend a night with her. He runs into a milk truck. Big mistake, yep. And is in a coma for five years? Five years. Yeah, and so wakes up with the supernatural ability to kind of see into the near future uh, or sometimes even distant future. By past. interacting with someone, he looks into the uh, past. Does he look into the past? I guess he can look he, into he, everything. He looks into he like seems... World War Two. Oh right, yeah. Era stuff. But he also sees like the president Martin Sheen. His powers are kind of super, like a little undefined. They're really chaotic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it seems like he's not really particularly able to control the scope of them at all. Yeah, no. and I and I kind of like that. So essentially he gets this and then he ends up aiding in um, some investigations. He, he ends up connecting with a, a, like a millionaire's son. That's what I'm saying. You can tell that it's adapted from a really long novel because it's yeah. like it's a bunch of adventures with this yes. guy post coma where he has yeah. powers. Uh, and then he gets uh, he gets uh, in a chance meeting with uh, Martin Sheen, who is running for Senate, I believe, or president. Which so he's running for Senate. But he will at be the time president. That you meet him. Yes. Yeah. Um, who's a real sleazebag, playing essentially the same character he played on The West Wing, but uh, much and sleazier. He's in Firestarter, which is like the next year or this year that this movie came out. Uh, Martin Sheen? Yeah. So he's in really a different uh, um, Stephen, Stephen King, adaptation. King adaptation and he's playing it kind of a similar role he's playing it sort of similar that movie also rocks I want to is get he also in. playing Stilson in that one um I don't no, I mean, I'm, a not, I'm not we're not I have no idea okay. he dies in spoiler alert oh, okay gotcha. he dies in both movies spoiler alert also this is a movie that a lot of the fun is about what happens so we're going to talk about everything about this so be or we're gonna talk. <laughs> we're gonna talk freely about it. Let's say put it that way. Yeah. So be warned. Go watch the Dead Zone. It's free. It's been out for like a billion years. You yeah, know, it's, it's like eighty three. I've seen it. I mean, okay. I'm gonna just admit this to you guys. I don't have to do this, but I'm an honest person, and I watched about twenty five minutes of this and was like, I have this movie memorized, and I turned it off <laughs> and did not watch <laughs> the rest because I've seen this movie. Like over 25 times for sure. Yeah. This is a big R favorite. I've never read the book. I, I mean, I might someday. I just love the. I love Cronenberg. I love Walking. I love. I love Stephen King movies. I am a huge, huge fan of. And he enjoyed all the early adaptations. I wanted to say, enjoyed um, great directors at the helm who were like in Carpenter's. Like they let John Carpenter do Christine. Uh, Mark De Lester Palma did Firestarter. Did, uh, yeah, De Palma did Carrie. 
uh, Kubrick, The Shining, you know. Although he hated that one. Well, but still, I mean, he's wrong. But still, you know, he's, yeah. He's a fucking extremely, we're all lucky that, that The Shining exists, I yeah. think, you know. So. He just thinks Kubrick took too many liberties with his story, which I don't know. Yeah. I can. I mean, yeah, I can, I can see, see getting that. upset about that, you know. But have yeah. you seen the other uh, TV uh, version of the of the Shining that that Stephen King wrote off on? It's uh, with it's, Stephen uh, Weber. Yeah. Yep. Garbaggio. Oh yeah. It's oh, weird. Yeah. It's very weird. I watched mm-hmm. it when uh, it was on TV, and I remember I like loving it. Oh, really? But it was just like I was like twelve, and like it, we'd go. I'd go back to school. It's like you know, everybody at my grouping of tables, we'd all be like, "So on this, the freaking Shining last night," you know, <laughs> the guy from Wayne. Well, it, for that, it was like even reading the book, The Shining, Kubrick did a better job at capturing the mood and the horror of it. Um, he understood that where. The the TV version just does not have that, and I don't know if that's a limitation to being more connected with the, like the actual events of the book or just a TV budget. But little did Stephen so, King know that not all of his movies would be directed by like masters. You know, it's oh like, yeah, I, it drives. I I included Mark Lester in that list, and that's generous, maybe by some people's estimation. I love Mark Lester. I think he did a good job on that movie. He also directed. Um, Class of 1984, which I think is just like a fucking amazing exploitation yeah. masterpiece. You know, Showdown in Little it Tokyo is also him. He's a really interesting filmmaker. I digress about that, though. I would like to know, Kirsten, are you a fan of the novels, the writings, the movies, or what is your Stephen King expertise? Because I consider myself a fan of the movies, and that's about it. I've read a few of the novels and a few of his nonfiction books and that's about it so i am a huge uh fan of his novels um i i like a lot of the movies i would say that i've er, i don't know i don't know if i've read more king than seen king he might be the only author where that's true that i've seen more of the or that i've read more of the books than seen the movies um Mm. but you know i I'd say I both really, um, I get, I, I, I sort of share, uh, Stephen King's criticism of the shining in that, you know, the number one thing that like changed is that Kubrick really couldn't like, he didn't want to show Jack as being like a sympathetic character, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, I feel like, because in in the book you read as him for quite a bit of it you know and so it's just like he's just a sad guy you know mm-hmm. who's done some dumb things in his past but he's not evil but you know in the movie like he seems evil and right. you've got jack nicholson playing him who is unhinged you know right i, I think heard that, that there are some... he wanted michael moriarty is who Stephen King wished that it was was Michael, Michael Moriarty. That would have been a yeah. different movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. By and large, I I like both his writings and also the conversions into movies. But I think he's really he's probably my favorite author, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll read anything he writes. Like I love his work so much. All right. Well, I hate to put you on the spot then, but what's the top five Stephen King books then? And your by your estimation. 
Top five? Yeah. Man. Um, okay. Uh, so I think that my number one favorite of his is The Shining, um, oh, followed right. really closely behind by The Stand. Okay. Um, uh, Salem's Lot. Mm. I haven't read that one yet. There. I watched oh, the movie really in the last year or so. Okay. It's a great TV movie Toby Hooper made. I love that. It's like... I haven't seen it. I've been meaning to watch that one because I love the book so much and because it's Toby Hooper. Um, but uh, I got off track. No, you said it, The Shining, The Stand, um, and then the other, the third one. <laughs> now I'm off track. Salem's Lot is Salem's the third Lot. one that I said. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, if you haven't read, if you haven't caught up with Salem's Lot, read Salem's Lot because it's like pulp Dracula. Yeah, I, I need like, to. That's all it is. Um, Salem's Lot factors into the Dark Tower very heavily in the last half. Interesting. Uh, and I'm like, uh, I got to know that. Now. Oh, yeah. Very heavily. Um, so what's four or five? So, Sorry. We only have three. <laughs> um, four is Carrie. Okay. Uh, I think Carrie is fantastic. And I love how he took inspiration from... Uh, real kids that he went to school with. Um, Cause I mean, everybody's got that like weirdly mm. religious kid in their class that, you know, I've never read. Are they I okay? The Are they not okay? Yeah. I, the, the book is great. Um, and I mean, like a lot of the stuff that they take of his, that they then like make into a movie, you lose a lot of the like mental character development. Cause so much of his stuff is so psychological and like takes place in the character's heads. And you really can't put that on screen mm -hmm. without like a corny voiceover. Um, and then <laughs> this is actually like a really weird choice, but it is one of my favorites of his. I love Joyland. Oh, that's a great one. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I feel like that's it newer, right? kind of maligned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also, it's shorter and it's a ghost story. It's not a it's not a horror book at all. Like it's just it's there's a ghost story. That one that one is good. Uh, that's part of his uh, the releases he did with Hard Case Crime. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, the Colorado Kid Joyland, and he's got a third one coming out in 2021 uh, through them. Which I've I'm seen really those, excited those about. covers are really cool. They look like They're great. They look legit old and like yeah. vintage. They look really nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are new illustrations they do for them. Um, and there's also, I just found out today, there's an illustrated version of Joyland that's hardcover uh, that I was like, whoa. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like, I, it's hard for me to rank any of his stuff because there's so much that he has done and so much that I haven't read yet. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's like the classics, but he's still putting out stuff like the Bill Hodges trilogy is really cool. I haven't read that yet. Mm -hmm. But then that like spins off into The Outsider, which I watched on HBO, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one of the characters in that also has a new novella that just came out this year. So he's trying yeah. out a lot of new stuff now that he's older and post-accident and he's finished up The Dark Tower. So it's kind of cool to like, okay, what's he trying out now? Where, where is he going now? And it's like completely different from where he was going on uh, in his early career. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I like I have been really enjoying reading him, as I kind of mentioned in the last episode. I'm learning to read now that I'm 40. Uh, I mean, I, I could read. I, I could read. I just didn't. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a project. I've, I've read The Stand for the first time last year uh, and finishing up The Dark Tower, 
you know, reading a lot of King. Um, and so just getting, getting to know his writing style, what certain tropes he hits over and over again, uh, and seeing how that plays out, not only in his other work, but also in the movies. Mm-hmm. And so this yeah, one, we can probably infer having not read the dead zone that it is written in first person from Christopher Walken's point of view. It might be, or it might not be though. <laughs> yeah. It might be third person. Maybe. maybe but you so. might have a lot of like internal dialogue uh, or internal monologues and stuff. Yeah. But like his, his relationship with that boy of the millionaire, I got really heavy, like Roland and Jake vibes from that, from Roland from the and Dark Jake. Tower. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the gunslinger and then Jake. My gun the boy is my heart. Art, he was. Yeah. <laughs> my bullet uh, is my soul. <laughs> That's just, so, I remember when that movie was coming out, the Dark Tower movie, which I know everybody hated, but. <laughs> I'm just bringing it up because when that coming was coming out, I was like, yeah, I mean, it looks all right, but there's that really stupid monologue where he's like talking about his gun being his heart, and they're like, yeah, that's actually in the book. <laughs> like every it is in the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's good it's in the great, book it's, though, but it's like it's, I don't know. it's like it I, opens up with that. It's uh, a character that's not even in the movie who says it, who's like one of the most important characters in the entire series. All right, um, but. No, it does. It's more impactful. Like they tried to make it like a cool thing in the movie, and it just did not work. Yeah, it was really lame to me. I laughed. That's when it happened. that's relatively common. I feel like in in King's stuff is like there's a lot of stuff that he puts in his books that for some reason it just goes down a lot easier in book form than mm-hmm. like if you have someone on screen saying it and you're just like this is fucking dumb. Like or like right. like the end of it, which has the giant turtle and, and like the scare monster, like. No, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that that's a thing. That's a that's a huge thing. That's um, that goes beyond just it. It goes into all like a lot of his other books too. So um, he likes spiders. He thinks spiders are scary. Um, um, turtle is a spiritual thing that was spit out by the creation of the universe, and is good. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. If you look, if you look at the both version, like both iterations of the It movies, it's just like they don't talk about that at all because it's just like this is fucking weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is a it, thing to show on screen. In, in the TV movie, they did show the turtle. They showed the underside of it as it flew over the kids, very briefly, and that's all you get. And there's like no explanation. It's just yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, it just happens. They're doing the ritual of the chewed in the sewer mm-hmm. and their whole hands and it flies over them. Yeah. So anyway, this movie, does anyone know? I was trying to look it up and I couldn't find it. Does Stephen King approve of this movie? Not probably. That that I mean, it, it seems to fit the everything that happens um, in, in a Stephen King story. I tell you what, he should. I thought the dead zone is just a good it's a great movie. You'll watch it. It's one of those movies that would get shuffled in with everything. In my, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the videos at the video store. It's like, I don't know Cronenberg from whoever. It's just one of those movies that when you watch and you start to become sort of a discerning film watcher, you're like, oh, this is clearly better than a, another movie that was in the horror section that I rented that is sort of similar to this, you know, <laughs> why? Who's this? Oh, it's like, oh, this is the same guy who made The Fly. Mm-hmm. Scanners was another big one. The Naked Lunch was a movie that I remember intrigued the fuck out. The video was just 
the Mugwump, and then Peter uh, Weller, like, looking yeah. up, like, all scared. And it's like, naked lunch, you know? And, like, <laughs> I remember my mom looking at it very intrigued. I think she maybe rented it or something, but oh, I was really? definitely not allowed to watch it. I love Naked Lunch. I've still never read the book. I need to watch that again. As a movie, it's different. just like, it's a, yeah, I mean, the movie, he talks about, like, he mixes up, like, a, um, Naked Lunch with a different book, The Exterminator, and then, like, elements of Burroughs' real life. And, I mean, it's mm. like, it's more of a Cronenberg interpretation of the work of Burroughs, you know? I get it. I mean, I don't know what a direct adaptation of Naked Lunch to screen would even look like. Right. Like, That's what, I, mean, I mean, it's I like it would classically be... like unfilmable. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but this movie is just like, I love episodic movies. Like one of my big complaints about modern movies, people that have no money and stuff, it's like, well, go do stuff. Like go outside. Like don't film it in this like dark ass room with like three actors it's like go do shoot some stuff put these people in places and make it look cool or do Mm -hmm. do something with this for the love of fucking god you know like it's free to shoot like what the sky and clouds and stuff i mean you know i mean there's like there's just a lot of things that i think people like we're gonna film it on this gray set you know like john cusack is in this movie and like you know it's just like you know what i'm saying though that's just an example as a joke but this movie is clearly adapted from a long novel but it just crams in a bunch of shit like this movie is just shit happening it's like vignettes Mm -hmm. in this dude's life and i love it i'm here for this kind of movie where you get all this you get to see walking do all sorts of shit and like he like he scales up to where he like the doctors like one of the first per- he well he helps the ladies like your house is on fire, go save your daughter and then the doctor he's like oh your brother or whoever when a family member is alive when you got separated when the Nazis came you know and like the doctor's like what you know and it's like true and it just escalates yeah, up like- to like Tom Skerritt being like huh. I'm at my wit's end here with this serial murder case. <laughs> I was wondering if you're, you could use your psychic powers to help us. You know, it's like Hal Holbrook, I was reading when I was trying to find out if King was a fan. He was the first choice for this, but oh, really? Tino D. Laurentes was like, I don't know who that is or something like that. And like Mark Twain. Yeah. But that could have been, well, this one, I think that would have been fun, but it's scared. It's funny. It's fun that he's in yeah. this movie. Honestly. Well, th- this movie, what I like, and I haven't read The Dead Zone, so I don't know if this is what it's like in the book, but it is sometimes uh, present in King's other stuff where someone has a power. They don't really know what it is or how to use it, but it propels them to the end of the story. So they, they know how to control it enough to get them to where they need to go to finish the story out. I felt like Walken's character never understood how to use his powers, where it came from, because it almost seemed to, he seemed to get it on that roller coaster before he crashed into the milk truck. I'm so glad you brought that up because yes, I agree. I was like, well, what was it like? If that's, if he wakes up, you know, from this coma with this thing and everything, then what was the, what the heck was the deal with him? Like having the weird headache on the, Mm -hmm. on the roller coaster and everything. And I was just Mm. like, there's no way like that was, that was happening. Yeah. 
So, so that, something happened prior wreck, to that. And, and then that the coma, wasn't just a, it got jarred loose and freed, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wasn't just a, the product of a, of a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I really like that. And so by the time the ending comes and he attempts an assassination of Martin Sheen's character, uh, which doesn't happen but does cause his life to unravel, to the point where he commits suicide. Yeah, um, because he touches, uh, he's like a guy trying to win on like a state level government mm-hmm. and he like shakes his hand and he witnesses him being president. It's like pushing the button and starting nuclear mm-hmm. apocalypse basically. Yeah. and It is really interesting to me that his character gets to save the world without committing murder. Yeah. Yes. You know? I mean, to the point of like bringing a gun to a campaign rally, uh, shooting at people, not killing anybody, but, you know, we've seen this now uh, multiple times. It's freaky. Someone usually dies. Um, I mean, in the, in the case of this one, it was, in fact, Christopher Walken's character who died, but not without causing an incident that would cause that politician to not be, like, martyred in any way, saying, like, oh, he died a, a, a good man. No, he, like... He picks a kid Trying to shield himself with a kid, Yeah. You know? Sheen is and so, so just, good, and he doesn't... Oh, he's great. He's awesome because he doesn't slum it, you know? Like, he's like, I'm in this weird Stephen King movie, and he just brings his full-on, like, you hired martin sheen to do a job and like you're gonna get the full martin sheen coked out politician energy (laughs) yeah like yeah he is like just a shitty glad-handing politician in this he's like 100 percent, and it's that it's how close he is to that whatever his name is in the west wing where he's a good president quote unquote you know he's he's written to be the good president but how very little difference there is between those two characters is I think really interesting and like mm. who Martin Sheen can play and how he can play essentially the same character uh, in two different ways. I think that's really cool. Interesting. I've never really watched yeah. the West Wing, but I've watched enough of it to understand it. But I know fans who give me an idea of what it is. So what owns about this movie is <laughs> what what I like about this movie is that. Um, that's like a bonus adventure to the middle one where it's like kind of like this whole movie could have just been the serial killer thing that happens in the mm-hmm. middle of the movie. A lesser movie would have just made that be all it is. But then there's like the whole, the, no, there's this politician too. And that, then that happens also. It's like, wow. You know, well, yeah, no, the serial killer part, I always forget it's in there. And it's like the best yeah. part of the movie. Because that is all him, like, understanding that, okay, I was right a couple times, but now it's like, no, there really is something here. The police were stumped. I got to touch this person or this area and not only know who did it, but actually see the murder take place and see who did it. And it turns out to be true. And so that's when he's like, oh, shit. That's where things turn. And so when he does meet Martin Sheen... He knows he's been right. He's also trying to kind of get out of that um, by being a tutor to this kid. Um, he's trying not to be the guy who has magical powers. He's just trying yeah. to, you know, get through to some rich dude's kid and be a tutor. Um, but then it comes to the point where he meets Martin Sheen and it all starts up over again. And he's like, fuck, I got to do this. I got to 
you know, well, I was and right. I gotta save, I gotta save the kid too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what initially kind of brings him out of retirement, right? Is seeing yeah. this kid that he loves fall through the ice because his right. dad is being. Oh yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I even forgot about that part. Yeah, he sees him like he touches him and like sees him and the hockey players fall. And I think that's so fun. That scene is really funny because you're just like, the dad is just loading up all the hockey gear <laughs> into the back of it. He's like, well, okay. I'm just like, did they, because those other two kids died, right? Like they still went and played hockey. Did yeah. they take all the gear out there and not bring the other kid or? I guess so. Cause I mean, they, there is the story on the cover of the paper. That's like two kids die yeah. by falling through the pond. Like, mm -hmm. But the dead zone guy say, remember the dead zone guy? <laughs> the guy who saw the murder? Yeah, well, he saved these, this one kid. But this whole murder thing, I mean, I just, I love it. It's what put the movie, puts the movie over the top for me. Is like, I love. Well, because otherwise it's just minority report, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong about that. I bet. What the show is, is like what this part is where he's solving, like, serial killer mysteries and stuff. But it turns out to be the deputy. I told you there'd be spoilers, listeners. I'm talking to the listeners <laughs> right now. Told you there'd be spoilers. But it's the deputy, and it's so perfectly disturbing. It's kind mm -hmm. of like, I mean, I really like the movie up until that point, but you're like, I'm just like, we got ourselves, this is like the real deal now. Like, we're, Cronenberg directed this movie, you know, mm -hmm. like. That house scene is so good. It's um, fucking amazing. And he. The scene where they're trying to follow him, the killer into, into the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And it's just, it has the weird lighting in it. and it's That insane like, green hallway. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, just the way that, that deputy, like, kills himself with the scissors. scissors. With and, the scissors. And that's Cronenberg added. That's all him. He added that's that. That's not yeah. surprising to me in yeah, the least. That's what I was. I think like I teased that touch. earlier. But yeah, like the suicide. The, oh, that's Who does so, that? Just like it's so wild. much. It, yeah. it reminded. Yeah, it's very like it's like a ritualistic kind of suicide. But it's, I don't know something very. I don't know. You could tell that there's <laughs> something about like in his psychology that he would do something like that. I thought it was a brilliant touch. I just think that's, that's one of the most disturbing moments in any horror movie to me is the the reveal of, like, his suicide and shit. And yeah. it's just, like... And the way his room is all of his, like... His, like, childhood shit and stuff. It's mm -hmm. just, like... It's so... It's so haunting and disturbing to me. And I, I just love walking... I mean... We talk about how he looks in this movie. He goes from looking like a nerd to like, <laughs> he gets like this coat with like, and he has like the collar up and it's like an iconic, incredible yeah, he's look. he's got the cane and the limp and everything. Yes, and, and that's what Cartman, completely changes. in South Park, Cartman looks like him. That's like the main, yeah. <laughs> the parody. God, that is a pretty funny episode. I don't know. Is that the one where it's like the other psychics come in and, feels about and like... South Park, yeah. I think, and I think it... Maybe is the one that also has like a red dragon parody, but I might be mixing up <laughs> episodes because there's one where he's like, it's the whole like, do you see, do you see, like he's in the chair, you know, and the guy is like with the slides, he's like, yeah, I see, like the lounge character and red dragon. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, Walken looks cool as fuck in this movie. He just yeah. looks amazing. 
man. Post coma, he looks really cool. Like yeah. pre coma, it's just like he looks cyberpunk kind of, but he's like solving mysteries. I don't know. He's just like it's like snowy. They filmed it in Canada, of course, because yeah. it's Cronenberg. But I love the um, the snowy atmosphere of the movie. It's a good it's a good movie. I liked it. Cool. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob, and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Welcome back, and we are here with the big roundup, uh, rating and reviewing the Dead Zone, 1983, David Cronenberg. Kirsten, I'm going to let you go first. What is your rating, zero to five stars, for the Dead Zone? This one was a really tough one for me to put a number on because, okay, so we talked a little bit. I know you guys have both seen this movie, you know, probably multiple times, right? Yeah, for sure. I have never seen this movie until <laughs> watching it yesterday for the podcast. Um, and I'm really glad that I did. I will say that a thing that Randy loves about it kind of really threw me off, which was that, you know, you get 45 minutes into the movie and you're like, wow, yeah, it's the climax. And then you're like, there's still 45 minutes of this movie left to go. And I don't know where we're going with it, which like is not inherently a bad thing but it just sort of like threw my brain for a loop in like an unpleasant way as uh, mm. i'm used to i'm i'm used to plot structure going a certain way and so i was just like this is just two movies why is this two movies <laughs> but i like both of those movies like separately mm-hmm. but i just yeah. thought it was a little bit of an odd choice to have them both in one movie that is not honestly a particularly long movie so it's just it feels it feels a little bit oddly staggered and thrown together in that sense mm. which like i don't think is any fault of Cronenberg's at all or you know that m- maybe whoever did the screenplay but so this one was a little bit hard for me to slap a rating on just because there were so many things that i really liked about it but also a thing that impacted the entirety of the movie 
kind of negatively impacted my enjoyment of it a little bit. I think I would like it a lot better if I watched it again a second time. Because that tends to be how movies like this go for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tentatively I'm gonna tentatively give it a three. Very because cool. I think I, I enjoyed a lot of it. Um and I think that I would enjoy it probably infinitely more knowing the direction that the plot was gonna take from the get go. Hmm. Very cool. Three Randy. out of five stars. A, a D. Sixty percent. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, solid C, Randy. Come on. I reserve the right. I reserve the right to, yeah. to revisit this film, though, because I do think there's a lot interesting about it. I think it does a lot of stuff right. No, that's something I say to Will sometimes. He doesn't think three out of five equals sixty percent, like it clearly does. But yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joshing you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this movie, Randy. What is what is your rating on my this rating movie? on this movie? And I want to just shout out real quick to Brooke Adams, who plays Walken's fiance, who's also in Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Days of Heaven. She's really good. Two movies that I like a lot. She's an actress that I uh, mix up with Margot Kidder and mm -hmm. um, Karen Allen from Indiana Jones. <laughs> yep. She's a similar vibe. They should have done a movie where they're all sis they should have done uh like in you know, uh, Cries and Whispers or one of those Bergman doing an American mm -hmm. Bergman with all three of those actors. Anyway, uh I like this movie a lot. Like I mentioned before, I didn't rewatch it. I got a little bit into it and I was like, nah, I've seen this a billion times, like I'm just gonna like not complete this and just I can talk about it. Because I have it, I have it basically memorized. I love Cronenberg. It's not my favorite Cronenberg or my favorite King adaptation, but I like it a lot. Every time I watch it, I'm delighted. I think everyone should watch it. I think you can get a good, if you're me, you can get 20 watches out of it before you're like, I don't need to see this again for a good long while. <laughs> so I'm gonna rank it four and a half out of five stars. No. Four, four and a half. Four, four out of five. Four out of five. Four or five. Four out of five. Cool. Um, I am going to give this one four stars. It. Uh, I had. I knew the plot of it. I have seen pieces of it before. This is the first time I had watched it uh, in its entirety. Uh, I had realized, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think uh, kind of the, the mentioning of not fitting a a standard uh structure <laughs> like a like that's like big a three -act structure no worries <laughs> it doesn't quite fit a three-act structure um but i think that is due to you know the way they adapted it from the novel which again i haven't read it but i assume it's like you know long chapter where he discovers this thing long chapter where he discovers this thing and that's how they structured the movie and for me it kind of works uh, because again, it's another step of him discovering what the power is mm. and what he's going to do with it. Um, so uh, it's a good Stephen King adaptation. It is not as heavy as something like The Shining, so you don't have to be quite in that mood to watch it. And it's also fairly short. And Walken is great in it. Um, really love it. I uh, love it. And lots of good uh, sweaters in this movie too. Um, yeah, <laughs> as with a lot of. Uh, Cronenberg stuff, some very Canadian uh, 
wardrobe. People are uh, looking good, and this really is like '83. So I mean, Cronenberg. This is like the height of his career, in my opinion. I mean, that's this is this him is, right before stepping into like this is early, really big stuff. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's between it's the same year as Videodrome. That's just like that rocks, you know. And it, Woods is sort of rocking a similar look to him in that movie at mm-hmm. a certain point. I don't know. And Videodrome is yeah. what our podcast is named after, Kirsten. Yeah, yeah. Well, fun fact. Cathode ray mission for Makes Videodrome. sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've never done uh, that movie, cool. but four stars. Now we should. All right. <laughs> You give it a B. Uh, great. So, uh, recommendations for this one. Uh, Kirsten, are there any uh, recommendations you would uh, recommend for anyone uh, who enjoyed this movie? Uh, that's so Raven uh, on the Disney Channel. No, um, it's <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, just go ahead and hit, you know, any of the other uh, Stephen King adaptations you haven't caught yet, you know? Because I think that they're all really interesting uh, in their own ways. What are your uh, some favorite... of them definitely succeed more than others, but... I'm sorry, what are your favorite Stephen King movie adaptations? Mm, I mean, that... it. My favorite Stephen King movie adaptation is The Shining, sure. but I'm also like mad about it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> um i don't know i actually really kind of like the uh the children of the corn like tv oh, movie that it's yes. goofy um and it's a little bit like over the top with the kids and everything but yeah that one i don't know that one's a lot of fun i like that one a lot uh it's i think it's like four hours long all the stephen king tv movies are though so there's like uh, a newer also- children of the corn tv movie miniseries with the, the, with the, with Kirstie Alley, right? What? There's one with Linda Linda Hamilton from Terminator. That, uh, like that a, was a theatrical a, movie. A movie. That was the first one that came. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get my shit together because <laughs> I think I, I I picked it. It was off of Netflix. Um, there might be a, because they made like a ton of those movies. So there might be yeah one of those or they made one. Let me see which one I mean. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like, oh, yeah. cause a bit. No, it's okay. No, it's fine. I uh, uh, didn't do my research, and you're calling <laughs> me out in class, and I understand. No, I mean, I want to see that one. If, um, it, if it exists. Maybe it wasn't a... Okay, maybe... I think I must be talking about... I must be talking about the, the theatrical one. It's just kidding. It's not like four hours long. It's only an hour and a half, but I watched it on I, I watched tell you it on what, Netflix. though, it feels like it's four hours long. Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't know. Griffin also just drew my attention to uh, the fact that Dr. Sleep, which just came out like a year ago, was one that he and I both really, really liked that I think for some reason people have like really maligned it. Like Mm -hmm. people don't like the Dr. Sleep movie, but I loved it a lot. Me too. Uh, I loved it. I would watch that right now. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I've seen that one a few times. Um, yeah. There's a moment in there where Rose the Hat is like floating over the earth. And there is a moment in the stand where Tom Collins is trying to pass 
uh, Randall Flag hooting out in the desert who has this like eye that he's that Randall Flag is using to like zoom into people, and it's like that is the perfect representation mm-hmm. of that moment in the mm-hmm. stand. It happens in Doctor Sleep with Rose. They, the they handled that cool. really, really well. It's yeah, super cool. And uh, when it's also like it, it's Mike Flanagan, so I got really excited to begin with because I'm I'm a fan of his. You know, he did. Uh, It's Hill House. House on Haunted Hill is a different thing. I get that confused, um, but, too. There's so many, like... Yeah. yeah. That Houses show was amazing, though. No. I love that show. Last House on the Land, yeah. No, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, and then he also did uh, Hush and Oculus, which mm. are a couple of uh, Netflix horror darlings. That I don't know if they're still there streaming or not. Um, those are both but, uh, good. I like those. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give like cool. eight recommendations today. Those are all within the the purview of my recommendations. For, he did Gerald's to go game along with this film. too. I froze up again. Oh, but it's good. That's it's kind really of what I hear a lot, which is why I'm like, I don't know if I'm in for something rough right now. Yeah. It takes you by surprise too. You're yeah. like, oh man. Yeah. Are you talking about the degloving? Sorry, I froze mm, up. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Randy, what what recommendations do you have based on? Well, I would like to recommend any David Cronenberg movie, or I'll just rattle off some Stephen King movies I like that we have not mentioned. Um, Pet Cemetery. It's a uh, you know, it's got flaws. I've read the book. That's one of the books I have read by Stephen King. I like that the novel, and I I, I love the novel, and I love the the. Um, the movie, too, it's fucking super scary to me when I was, like, a little boy. That's directed by Mary Randy, Lambert. Yes. I, I have to tell you, there's a reason that I never said Pet Cemetery. Because you don't like that one? You don't like the movie or you don't like the book? I think it's... Uh, I think that the movie is um, comically bad. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I'm the so act- sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> the acting... You. I mean... I can't really defend the guy, the main actor, you know. I mean, he's in the movie. I grew up watching that movie. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. I attach something to it that I know I'm doing. And Tasha Yar, I can't remember. That's unfortunate. I can't remember what. What's that? Who plays the wife? Uh, Will. Who plays Tasha Yar? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember, and I just watched the it's episode. Like the where sa- it's right. It's like the same yeah. time. It's like 89 or for both, basically. So it's mm-hmm. fresh off Star Trek. So I interconnected in my brain. But Zelda, the way Zelda looks, and she's like, Rachel, you know, her like voice. <laughs> and it's just like, it's the scariest thing ever. I'll second Children of the Corn. I love that movie. It's stupid. Yeah. I love Children of the Corn, too. It's also the final sacrifice. It's a super fun movie. Um, I love, um, Christine. Oh, no, one more, one more. Needful Things. I'm sure that the book is way better, but the movie is just a lot of fun. It has fucking Ed Harris. Max von Sydow plays the devil who owns this, like, collectible store. But we don't accept money. You have to give us your soul, you know? It's like he, he can give people, like... This jacket will make you feel young again and shit. And it, it, oh, like that Rick and Morty episode. Yep. Probably. 
Yeah. Like that Bradbury they, book. They did a Rick and Morty. Oh, like uh, something episode. wicked this yeah. way comes. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, King, he's doing his thing, you know? Like, I mean, whatever. I, you know, fair enough. If it's like, it's a done idea, it's a good idea. They do it well in that movie. The cast is stacked. It's got Amanda Plummer in it. Uh, I don't know. It's just like a great. It's a great movie that I grew up watching that I really like that I still watch to this day around Halloween time. Bust out needful things. They Kino Warber did a pretty good edition of it recently. Check it out. <laughs> I really enjoyed the the early uh, the early Stephen King adaptations. I like Cujo. I like yes. Uh, Carrie, I, I watched again recently, is like... Carrie's man, so, good. Carrie, so good. Carrie, uh, yeah. Palma. I didn't mention that one. I love that Depalma one. Palma in that era. Yeah, the Palma in that era is great. If you haven't seen Blowout, um, that's also a great one by Palma. Not any relation to Stephen King, but uh, some of the same actors in that movie as well, same era. Um, but uh, I also love, if you're into kind of like, I think, um, uh, oh, what's his name who did Shawshank? Um, I, I had his name and then I forgot it. Darabont, Frank Darabont. I always um, forget that Shawshank is technically king. It, it takes place in Castle Rock. Um, so it uh, he really captures a lot of like what is great about Stephen King. And a movie that he wrote but did not direct that does that very well is the remake of The Blah, which is one of my favorites of all time. It really hits a lot of like Stephen King style tropes very well. And it's a movie that really holds up. It came out in the late 80s, and it's amazing that it is as gruesome and it holds up as well today as it did when it originally came out. That's the uh, movie we've that brought up the most, movie. I think, that we haven't done. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's uh, it's just it's still a good movie. It's still really freaky and, and fun. Um, it rocks. We should but, do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's covered on the uh, Okay, the I think that just about wraps everything up uh kirsten what have you got to plug i know you may have plugged stuff on the last episode but let's go ahead and remind you gotta folks. do it again right yep. um yeah come on over to uh check out the uh the good trash media networks um podcast uh feed they've got uh it within their within their flagship show good trash genre cast where several of my very good friends uh talk about um movies that'll never come up on a film syllabus in a uh in an academic way uh within that feed though uh there are a couple of episodes of something called twilight which is a show where my friend aaron and i talk about um well, we, we talk about vampires. Uh, we talk about teen vampires, and we specifically talk about teen vampires within the Twilight universe. Um, so come on over and check that out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at gothcomic. That's it. Sweet. Um, Randy, what have you got to plug this week? Oh, I do this fun little podcast called Cathode Ray Mission with my good buddy, Will Scoville. Every couple weeks we get together on Sunday and somehow my plans just make it all crazy for me and I have to hop on. And But we always have a great old time, so check out that podcast. Excellent. That you just listened to, I am in a band. You can find my music, Chat Pile, Randy Rules, um, Black Lives Matter, you know, wear a mask, <laughs> all, everything else, you know. Please vote. <laughs> you know, 
and, and whatever. I don't know Sweet. when this is coming out. This is the dead zone. I was thinking I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to right now. Uh, we should do some horror movies for October. Maybe this could be part of that, you know. Who knows? Sure. We may have secretly been doing a Halloween-style episode just now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, cool. That's um, what I have to say. For me, you can always check out my other podcast, Doc Documentary Reviews, coming out every two weeks. Uh, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates, coming out every week. That's a games show-style show where my friends get together and shout out things uh, that don't really matter. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, we're just now starting season four, so check that out. Um, all right. And I don't hold you all any longer, so uh, thank you. Uh, Kirsten, thank you for coming on again. Yes, thank you for coming back. Thank you. Absolutely, anytime. Or coming for the first Uh, time whenever, I don't know what order they're coming out in, so... I said coming back, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you want. I'm here. It's I'm where it's like deja vu. Anywhere, so. It's that movie it's like that movie Deja Vu where I just watched that rant based on your recommendation. Yeah, so. have you seen that, Kirsten? Uh Tony yeah, Scott's Deja Vu. Maybe we'll just have to have you back on <laughs> 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 to talk about Tony Scott I'm down. Denzel Washington. <laughs> All right. Uh Randy, uh thanks so much and I will see you again. All right.